0: We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino.
1: Good evening, everybody. My name is Mike Cosentino and welcome again to Peachy's Pub. It is Tuesday evening. It is time for the Big Peach running company virtual pub run once again plenty of fun on tap as we do what we need to ensure that alongside the difficulty in this strange season corona virus say it every week most importantly our thoughts and prayers are with all of you where this has come to your doorstep and for those of you on the front line and who have been most impacted by this virus. It is the 12th of May, and certainly things are starting to open back up. Every day seems to be more that is going on, different headlines at the same time, still so much uncertainty. But what we can tell you with absolute certainty, the next 60 minutes, we are going to enjoy ourselves. We are going to bathe ourselves. In all things the pedestrian active lifestyle in and around Atlanta. This will double as your run ATL podcast, starting as what we refer to as a pubcast first, a podcast next. And we have a couple of featured pub runners with us this evening. I'm going to introduce. And at the same time, this is very much about you. Unlike a podcast, this, while it is live, can be interactive. So know that we are keeping an eye on the chat box. And certainly you are welcome to unmute yourself, ask a question, make a comment or participate in some of the discussion topics that we've lined up. Do not be bashful. We want your involvement. Our featured pub runners this evening, Dr. Charlie Peebles from the Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center, not only longtime friend of mine, but a very longtime friend of the active community. He and his team have been keeping us out on the roads, on the tracks, the treadmills, and the trails for longer than what I could say, Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center, the work that they have done known far and wide in and around this community and so many others for helping us live that pedestrian active lifestyle, stay active, and when we do make a mistake or have something come up, get us back to it as quickly as possible. Also, the executive director, the Kyle Pease Foundation. He is my podcast companion. I think he now owns either the distinction or the unfortunate honor of being on a podcast more often with me than anyone else I personally know. It is my good fortune, his burden to bear. But nonetheless, Brent Pease is with us this evening, along with everybody else. Good evening, Charlie and Brent. Hey,
2: Mike. Hey, good evening.
1: So let's dive right in. I'm going to go ahead and give you away, Brent, that we have taken on topics each week that give two sides of the fence in terms of well, is it a good idea or not a good idea. First, I want you to know the topic, give everybody a little bit of time to think about it to honor you, to honor you and your brother. The topic for this evening is running with family members and you've told us stories that bring a smile to our face perhaps even a tear to our eye and some warmth to our heart but then you've also told us those tales that are not always just this brotherly love that we know you have and that there's difficulty in that as well so recognizing that you have defined our topic for this evening why don't you give us an update i'm sure a strange uh, season for you and kyle as well What's going on with the Kyle Peace Foundation? How are you feeling, and what are you looking forward to as we make our way into May?
2: Um, well, well, first of all, um, Charlie has also helped me after I kicked a um, uh, guardrail at a pool and broke one of my toes. Um, he kept me he kept me on the road to Kona with Kyle. So good to see you, and uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for keeping me uh, keeping me active there. Uh, it, I, if I had gotten a scratch on my foot, I probably would have gone in to see him that summer. I was panicked about everything, but thankfully a broken bone at least uh, uh, justified it. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I ran with Kyle on March 7th, and we did um, – it was a 21-mile uh, training ro- training run that Kyle did 15 of with me. Um, so it, it, that was the last time we ran together. Kyle is um, – At a higher risk. He's not immunocompromised um, by the exact definition, but typically when he gets sick, it hits him a lot. The common cold hits Kyle a lot harder than it does the rest of us. So um, we we have to we've had to stay apart. And actually, one of his caretakers got sick a day after taking care of Kyle and ended up testing negative for covid. But Kyle had to self quarantine for 14 days. So. the first time I actually saw Kyle was um, in a parking lot. Um, he had on a mask and I had on a mask and my kids were in the back of the car waving to him. So, you know, it's been interesting. We haven't been able to run together or do a whole lot, but we've been doing a lot of this as well. Um, we've been doing zoom talks to engage our athletes. We did a little buddy system. We, we paired volunteers just like we would for a race and asked them to reach out. And we had some really wonderful interactions Um, you know, sometimes when you're running a hard 5k or pushing a wheelchair, you don't get a chance to say, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, and so that was pretty cool. And and it's given us some good ideas of, you know, the, the social interaction, just like for so many of us, you know, coming to a, a big peach group run or just being out at a race with your friend. So much of that is what we crave more so than the finish line or the race itself. It's the community aspect. And so we're learning, you know, how to we can continue to create that community feel without being it when the absence of racing. So we're we're still figuring it out. Um, we're doing some some like I said, we're doing some speaking stuff and and engaging our athletes that way. So, um, but we do also have a lot of families that you know the 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 individuals are immunocompromised, and so it may be a while before they can even get out with us, even as as um, guidelines or, or restrictions are uh, loosened. It still may be a little bit before we can actually do that. So we're figuring out in the same space that everybody else is, and um, I, I certainly appreciate now more than ever the the time that Khan and I do get to spend together, or that our athletes get to spend with our volunteers as well.
1: That's awesome, and I love the fact that. You guys have been mindful of those guidelines obviously for good reason and that there is still that special indication of when you get to see someone you care so much about these days it means even more given how many hours that you've spent together not just being brothers but training well, we're going to come back for those of you who do not know brent and kyle's story we're going to give you opportunity to connect with it for those of you who know them or know the story we're going to get a chance to get some updates from them. Also, for those of you who like to just simply walk out of the pub with more than what you had when you came in, do know that we are giving away a copy of Beyond the Finish. That is their book that was released last year, big year for the Peas Brothers, that is something you will want to stay tuned for. But first, one of the real silver linings, I believe, Charlie, and has been referenced by many who are already participating in this lifestyle, are the number of people who are out now walking, jogging, running, hiking, because they have been in isolation or quarantined, perhaps with loved ones for so long. They've got some time on their hands, perhaps if they're not making the commute, or they're not going to work as regularly, and my guess is that you now have guidance that you get a chance to dispel to a greater degree than what might have been the case a year ago today. So perhaps really, really predictable, but for our listeners who are part of that wonderful population, who has decided to get started, get started again, or get started to take it perhaps even a little bit more seriously, it being that pedestrian active lifestyle, what are those one or two things you would say right out of the gates from an injury prevention standpoint to keep the discomfort to a minimum and get us all off on the right foot? What would you say just initially?
3: I think the I mean, initially the biggest thing I would think of is just like any of us starting something out again or taking on a new adventure or taking on new athletic activity it's that, it's that gradual buildup. We all have that inspiration and just, okay, let's go. Let's just, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go again. You know, I ran in high school, ran in college. I'm, I'm ready to go again. And I think the biggest thing for a lot of people is easing back into that. If let's say, you know, your commute's been out of control and the kids have been, you've been busy, you know, chauffeuring them everywhere and running an Uber service for your kids or your family, You don't have the time to do the stuff that maybe you used to do. And all of a sudden, we've got this extra time. So people are getting out and doing things. A lot of times, unfortunately, though, I think the biggest issue is they're just not easing back into it. They're kind of jumping right back in, you know, where they may have initially walked, you know, around the playground with their kids. Now they're going for five mile walks. I think the biggest thing is just that easing in. And the other big thing is a lot of us who maybe haven't done a lot. Initially, or done a lot for a while, all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, those shoes are fine. Let me go ahead and just throw those on and I'll go again. You know, a lot of us just things like that, simple things like, okay, you know what, pick up a new pair of shoes, kind of get going again, start the whole process over and ease into it, just like you would with anything else.
1: Well, and I love that you mentioned that because it is, it's so easy. And we talk about this is a lifestyle, this is not a coronavirus diversion where now you started walking a few more blocks or running a few more miles. This would be a wonderful legacy if this is what prompted you to do it more often, to do it at all, and doing it sensibly as a requirement there. Charlie, let me ask you this. For those who have been doing this for a longer period of time, Brent mentioned one thing that he came and saw you for. I've had my own reasons. What are the most common things that you're likely seeing whether it's on the backside of corona in the midst of it or that you were seeing beforehand and what are some of the trademark indications for somebody who just doesn't know that they might be feeling for these real common ailments or
3: sources of discomfort well i think you know coronavirus aside i think the big thing is we went from winter with colder weather rainy weather all that kind of stuff into spring and these last i mean thank god these last eight weeks Been great weather. I mean, people have been able to get out, get doing things, everything along those lines. But it's the normal thing that happens in the spring where people kind of dust off the shoes, they, you know, grab the running shirt, you know, they can switch from their long sleeve stuff to short sleeve stuff and jump back in there and kind of get going again. So, the biggest thing I think we're seeing is probably more stress related injuries, people, you know, stress fractures, you know, Achilles tendonitis, a little bit of plantar fasciitis. The other big thing with that is with everybody being home, everybody's got their shoes off all the time, a whole lot more than they may be used to, uh, whether it be ladies that were normally wearing heels or wedges or whatever, or guys that were in their dress shoes all the time or sitting at their desk, all of a sudden they're you know, sitting at their desk, then walking over, running a homeschool program, running back to their desk, trying to get a run in. So I think a lot of it is, you know, even just in the house, people are walking around barefoot more people are more active because they're doing a bunch of things outside and the number of people through this whole process, anytime you drive by any of the, you know, the large home home improvement stores, you're looking at those parking lots are packed with people getting outside and doing stuff. So I think people are getting, you know, want to get out, want to be healthy, but just taking, taking those precautions to kind of ease into it as opposed to just jump in full force that's where I think we, you know, the issues we've seen are more stress-related injuries in those regard. People that have walked for years, all of a sudden, hey, now I've got some extra time. I'm gonna go ahead and start running, and they're not picking up running, you know, five minutes of running, five minutes of walking. They're like, I'm just gonna run because I've got to get out, get the escape for just mental health, and um, so a lot of that's happening, I think.
1: I love the fact that you paired not just those who are getting started, but all of us as we get into this new season. Days are longer. Temperatures are unbelievable. We've had a, just an awesome spring, and we're all amped up and perhaps not thinking sensibly about how quickly we jump back in. For those of you who are not familiar with Charlie Peebles, again, a principal, Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center, AtlantaFootAnkleCenter.com to get more information. But right now, he is always one of our favorites as it relates to question and answer so whether you come off a mute or use your chat box if you've got something that's already bothering you or if you have a friend who is asking you questions about something that you can't diagnose but you still want to look like you know it all this is the time to ask the question charlie is more than happy to take those questions and give you the information that you need to keep you and your loved ones moving right along brent one of the things that we talked even recently last week in fact rich Kanaw was part of our group in the pub and there is no doubt that running events and group activities in and around the sport of running and walking is going to go some kind of transformation what is it looking like for you, or what would you say things might look like, given the fact that, of course, you and your team were going to be at the peach tree. You had a whole litany of events coming up, including Big Peach <clears throat> Sizzler, big marathons in major markets. As you look at the rest of this year and kind of into the future at big scale events and those places where it was always so cool to see the Peas Foundation, what goes
2: through your mind? That's a... Uh uh, that's a great question. I, I, I haven't quite figured it out yet, to be honest. And I think a lot, I, I think a lot about it. I think, um, I, first of all, I think some of the smaller local races are going to be able to will be the first ones to come back online. And I think the emotional response that people will get both the new marathoners, the people that have dusted off the shoes or the, you know, the, the guy, uh, the mom or dad, that's all of a sudden said, you know what, I'm going to run with this spare time. Um, you know, there's going to be that same kind of response that you get when 60,000 people, you know, descend on Piedmont Park after a, a hot and sweaty 10K. But as those other things come back, there's just I, I, what I feel like at least is there's just going to be a deeper appreciation for what it is that running provides us personally, what it provides our community and what it allows us to do. And, and you know, as like I said, as it pertains to Kyle Peace Foundation, I feel like there's there's just going to be a heightened sense of community that, you know, even as we've had some of these reach-out sessions with our volunteers and athletes, all of a sudden they'll realize, you know, I should spend a little bit more time not just showing up to say I pushed a wheelchair, but to show up and really get to know, you know, the person. Um, sometimes Kyle and I take for granted that because we're brothers and because we're such good friends and we've been around each other our whole lives, it it just comes second nature that we actually talk about things all out there. Some people um, aren't just, they're not quite sure what they're supposed to do. So um, it's not exactly a direct answer, Mike, but I, you know, I'm, I'm just still trying to figure it out, you know, what it is that it's going to look like. I, I, I think the easy is the, the deeper appreciation that we're all going to have. I think the harder is, you know, what it does look like because it, it's not going to just come back tomorrow. Um, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna slowly figure out how these things work and, and how we can get people together in a community sense again. Um, you might have people show up to a race, even a you know, few hundred people at Big Peach Sizzler, and half of them are in masks or running gaiters, or you know, it's just gonna be a different a different look. But I think that the the running vibe, the the energy that we all get and give, um, that's gonna be there, and and that's gonna come back um, very quickly. Um, you know, you see it now, um, there's actually somebody that's been running in my neighborhood and he keeps posting the number of people that wave back to him and he waves at everybody. And the first day he was like four of 20, which was great to me that he saw 24 runners. And I was like, Oh, 20 people didn't wave back, but each day it gets better. You know, there's like, there's the knowing, there's the knowing nod and wave as runners pass each other on the road. Like, you know, we're all out here together, even though I don't know who you are, but we're passing, we got to acknowledge each other um and it's it was fun watching his numbers shift every day as he was running and and seeing people start to realize like oh that's my running buddy that's the guy i see every day at 8 30 that's probably hustling back to the homeschool or to the zoom call or whatever they're supposed to do so the community is always going to be there we're just going to have to shift and figure out how we how we share that together well
1: i love the fact that you mentioned those smaller perhaps local races because i think It will be really cool for us as a community, whether it's those who have not done those types of events in the past or those who are missing them right now. We will no longer take them for granted, at least for a certain period of time. I know I share with you and Charlie the good fortune of having been on the start line of the Boston Marathon a number of times. And we always pinch ourselves when we're standing in Hopkinton, it's like, wow, here we are. But do we do that at the Big Peach Sizzler? Do we do that in a neighborhood 5K on any other? Weekend in May. And I think when we do get back to some possibility of those events, it may feel like the Boston Marathon, even though it's happening in Roswell or Sandy Springs or Dunwoody. And even though it's only with another 80 or 280 persons, because of the fact that, wow, I took this for granted a year ago, I don't today. For those of you who have not seen this, the Roadrunners Club of America released a study today 60% are comfortable running with five or fewer people once a return to group running is permitted. 51% comfortable with 10 or fewer. And then this is interesting as it relates to larger events. Approximately 53% of respondents noted they would participate in events for the remainder of this year if public health officials allow them to take place at all. Of course, that leaves 47% who would say otherwise or not yet certain, but certainly new data just released consistent with what Brent just mentioned to us. So let's go to. Uh, Charlie, you when you think about these events, you've been the medical director for big scale events. You obviously work with all of these teams in the market that we're familiar with, and we're not talking just about those high school athletic teams. We're talking about that Major League Baseball team or that National Football League team. We're talking about Atlanta United and other teams. You're kind of right at the pinnacle of saying, "Well, I'm used to dealing with somebody who ends up with a stress fracture at the middle." of the race known as Peachtree. I get when somebody comes to see me after a game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. As a medical director and somebody in the midst of sports in such a big way, how do you now think about these events, not just as a podiatrist and a sports medicine professional, but also someone on the front lines
3: with coronavirus now, at least in the background? Well, I mean, I think our goals are still the same. The goals are Goals are the same as far as keeping people safe. Um, You know, as a runner, as someone who's been in many of these events um, and running by the medical tent at the end and saying thank you to the people that, you know, were there, looking at, you know, keeping everybody safe. You know, all the protocols that are taken for Peachtree, all the protocols are taken for every single race that's out there. Um, I think it's a challenge because we don't we don't know enough about the enemy we're facing. Um, and we're still learning more and more each day. So, and not only are we learning it, as medical professionals, but everybody's learning about it each and every day. Um, you know, we have races during flu seasons. Those things happen. This is, you know, a kind of a little bit different animal in the fact that we just don't know as much about it. So the big thing is gonna be safety. And I don't know what that's going to mean exactly. I think a lot of it's going to be people are going to need to take some personal responsibility for that, whether it be getting antibody testing done to see if they do have that immunity, but we don't even know what all that means yet. And we don't even know if those tests are good enough yet. I mean, you hear discussions all the time between the NBA and major league baseball and all the the talks that are going on today about major league baseball coming back. We just don't know what that's going to look like. And those, those environments can be controlled to some degree. When you bring, I was talking today about, you know, Peachtree, bringing people from every state and many nations together in a race like this is gonna be a challenge because of crossing state lines, because of just health issues, people that are different, you know, health issues all the way around or health standards. And, and even as crazy as it sounds, Peachtree going from the Fourth of July where we had to deal with a lot of major heat issues. I mean, we've had 19 degree temperatures on for Thanksgiving races. So you're looking at two different aspects in that regard, and trying to get people safe. Well, the biggest thing right now, it's it, you know, seems to be with CDC guidelines is you know using masks, not necessarily to protect yourself, but to protect everybody else um, when you're out in public, and monitoring what's going on with you. And that's, I think that's a challenge from that standpoint um, all the way around. I don't know what that's gonna look like as we start looking at bigger events. I mean, I agree that the smaller events are gonna be the big accomplishment to start things out, to get people together, to get people in a big group and get things going again while maintaining that spacing. I mean, it could be, you know, where people are going off at different times. I I don't know what it's gonna look like in the future but it's certainly going to be a challenge and i'm working through some of those processes and but i think the ultimate goal for all of us the medical profession is keeping the people we're responsible for safe whether that be a sprained ankle broken ankle heart attack or in this case the coronavirus and keeping people safe from that standpoint
1: excellent well certainly that has always been paramount, and I know is the case for all of those who are on the front lines then of those local events or those big time sporting events. One of the things that, of course, we have to talk about, and Brent, I'm going to ask you this first because I think perspectives have always been at least somewhat mixed. And I think there are possibilities out there that perspectives are changing, and that is on virtual events. At first, it was a very niche activity. I think it started to steadily grow in popularity as some events with cool themes or what ultimately became perhaps sustainable even just economically started to get some traction and of course now for the reasons that Charlie just mentioned for the things that you so well know virtual events are a much bigger presence in and around this lifestyle does the Kyle Peace Foundation or you personally have a perspective on these events or any plans perhaps as you look into your crystal ball in terms of what role
2: they'll play with the work that you guys are doing uh can i just say we're still figuring it out to everything tonight yeah absolutely <laughs> right, right honestly <laughs> we all are Come people come to
1: the pub because they do not want to hear any wild tales or
2: they don't want to hear what isn't true. They come for the straight facts. That's right. Um, by the way, Charlie, I think uh for those, you know, for the uh the folks that like to wear the badge of honor of I did the first peach tree or I did the hottest peach tree. Um, if you haven't signed up for peach tree, a nice plug for our friends at the Atlanta Track Club is sign up for this one because now you're gonna be able to say, I did the coldest peach tree, because we know with almost <laughs> 90, we're not gonna get ninety degrees plus whatever humidity. So right. um, nothing like starting at ten k at seven seven am and it's already eighty two degrees and ninety percent humidity. but um
1: and it will be the coldest because even if it is the coldest day that we've ever had July fourth,
2: and the warmest Thanksgiving we've ever had, it's still going to be the <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, it's it's interesting because I was probably in the camp on the virtual side. I was probably always in the camp of I, I just I don't see the point. I understand. I understand why, you know, because you want to keep the engagement. You want to figure it out. But for us, I originally looked at it and said, how do you have a virtual event when Kyle has to go sit in his everyday wheelchair or, you know, somebody's just in their home doing you know circles in the parking lot or circles in their driveway in their wheelchair and you know mike who was supposed to be their pusher is running with a cell phone and waving at them and but you know kyle and i were supposed to do boston this year for our our first boston and we did a virtual boston peas party it was a free event if you signed up you got a bib and we just encouraged people to post the pictures on social media and so there was no fundraising component there was no you're pushing this person it was just very simply let's just engage people on a day And it was really incredible, the impact it had on me, that I was moved by seeing all of that. And so there's this component that happens that even though you may not be able to push Kyle or push your brother, you know, you can still interact with each other. And and that is the reality we're all trying to figure out right now. We cannot go hug each other at the finish line and high five each other. I mean, how many pictures do they have of Piedmont Park with sweaty people with their arms draped over each other with their finisher shirt, holding it up, taking a picture? You know, that's not happening anytime soon. So we, we are now tr- we really are trying to figure out, OK, then how do we do some type of virtual event that is inclusive? So Kyle can be a part of it. I can be a part of it, even though we're a part. And, you know, what we're realizing even some of some of the athletes actually like that independence. They, they are excited about the idea of they're still able to do it. There's almost a stigma of you can't have an electric wheelchair in a race, so we'll push you um and we've talked at length about the benefits Kyle gets or any of our athletes get but now we're realizing for somebody like Kyle who's confined to their home in this with with these restrictions or social distancing guidelines um just any type of engagement is heightened so we're going to do something probably in June we are we're, we're watching other people and learning the way they're doing it and then trying to also like I said figure out how to engage Um, the people we serve so they can can get the most out of it, too.
1: That makes sense. And for those who are not familiar with Brent and his role as the executive director and co-founder of the Peace Foundation, listen to this. If you need a mission statement to move you, the Peace Foundation, they exist to create awareness and raise funds to promote success for persons with disabilities by providing assistance to meet their individual needs through sports of course that is what they've done for those of you who are watching i'm going to put an image on the screen that is both reflective of what brent just said in terms of not just the event itself but perhaps what we think of afterwards i'm also going to remind you you're going to have a chance to perhaps get a copy of this on your own and this being beyond the finish. And if you look at the cover for this book that should be on your screen right now, you look at the closeness of these brothers, not just emotionally, but physically. And then look in the background, they're in Kona at Ironman World Championships. And all of those people making for such a special moment for those who have not. Already read the reviews for Beyond the Finish. Do yourself a favor. Again, don't forget this pub, PG's Pub, so generous. You'll get a chance to win a copy. I believe we can even get Brent and Kyle to autograph it before we send it to you. So just know that is coming your way. So when you see this picture, Brent, and you think about what is next, I know one of the things that was so cool for me to hear one time when we were conversing, is this finish line, as you said, that wasn't the finish. Certainly, it was an awesome tale. It was one of those things that took so much determination, and yet you drew my understanding that many people felt like, well, now you've done it. This was the Mount Everest of what these two brothers had set out to do, and instead, what you told me was, this is really just the beginning. Because this gives us a platform. This gives us some possibilities that we wouldn't have otherwise had. Now we really get to work. So all events and coronavirus aside, what are some of the things that as you look at 2020 and in the last 12 months, what are those things that you just can't be too satisfied with what the foundation has done and those
2: lives that you've helped improve? Um, that's always a wonderful lead in. Thank you. Um, well, you know, one of the, I mean, one of the biggest things with the Kona experience, there was, you know, there was two pieces from it. One was just a a simple message we got from one of the athletes that texted Kyle before the race. And he said, when you're in the world championships, we're all in the world championships. And, and that, you know, two, two brothers that might've been getting a little egotistical on the big island of Hawaii there, um it helped kind of bring us back down to say you know what this is a huge thing that that's been created it's not just you and me here we've we've helped all these other people along the way and whatever that world championship experience was a 5k the peach tree um so that helped to kind of realize all those personal victories that had happened along the way but the the fundraising from kona actually allowed us to make our first two full-time hires both of both of which were people with disabilities um, so Kevin Enners, um, we hired, uh, who is a graduate of Kennesaw State, and Justin Knight, uh, who was one of the first athletes we ever met. Um, and but but both of them came to us, you know, through a different circumstance, it's really kind of what prompted what Kyle and I said to you, and Justin did an Ironman in 2015, and his reaction was not, I want to do Boston or New York or Peachtree or whatever it was, his reaction was, I want a job. And we realized that, you know, so many of these people, young adults, especially in particular with disabilities, you know, they didn't get that experience of sports that we all did growing up, that gave you this, you know, understanding of teamwork or this sense of accomplishment. They hadn't reached some of those milestones. So, you know, being able to at least learn how we could support people beyond the finish, which is obviously a big part of where the title of the book came from, really kind of started opening up our mind to some of that. So it's not just how many people can we have at Peachtree? It's not how many finish lines can we cross? It's, you know, how many people can we truly impact their lives and, and create some type of path to real change? So um, that's that's our first piece now is figuring, especially, you know, there's a lot of organizations in Georgia that support uh, people with disabilities and employment um, physically, severely physically, um, disabled people are not always included in that. Um, so we're learning how to do that. And, and we want to, you know, we had started talking about actually, um, at the beginning of this year of, you know, trying to create some type of physical training facility, either through partnership or through our own work that is inclusive that, you know, you and I, Mike, might be in there doing some hip and mobility work and, you know, trying to do things so we don't have to, so we're not, uh, on the X-ray machine there with Charlie, but um, but also that Kyle could be alongside us, learning how to improve himself as well. So it's 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 conversations around if sports is is the springboard, how do we do more beyond that? So we were just starting to dip our toes into it with hiring a couple of people with the with the proceeds from Kona. Um, so we want to just kind of figure that out, and we're 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 leaning on our um, we're leaning on our athletes to teach us because we don't know. And Kevin is a wonderful example. He's got a college degree, but he uses orbital technology to, to, to type. So he can type about five words per minute. Um, and I, I'll, I'll share it with, I can share it here in the comments, but if you go on our YouTube page, he created a thank you video for our sponsor and it's him on his trainer doing Sufferfest on the computer. And, he's, and it's his words through his voice uh, software through a machine called a Toby um but kevin's had to teach us and i've even told kevin i said you have to remember i learned how to deal with kyle first so you have to teach me so i understand because i i don't know um and i've not worked with i've not worked with somebody that can type five words a minute so you know there's not this simple back and forth on email there's not a text exchange that can happen it's if i need him on a on a webinar at 6 p.m. I need to make sure that I'm you know thoughtful and that I put all the information. So we're we're, we're slowly learning um you know it's a marathon and we want to figure out not just the racing but um what we can do beyond that for them.
1: Well, I uh, I want to come and D2, I see you out there, so I want to know that you have a story to tell. I didn't even know you're going to be out there, but I'm going to Come to you, so just know I'm putting you on notice, my friend. In the meantime, I have a question for Charlie, but I also just got one from Bob Wells for Brent that I think is actually better than the question for Charlie because it makes me feel better. The question for Charlie, it's about plantar fasciitis. That doesn't make me feel so good, so I'm going to go ahead and leapfrog that question and go to Bob Wells's question for Brent, and that is: To what degree is Kyle truly aware? I think this is a great question of his racing and his accomplishments. I mean, you guys have been to the peak you guys have summited and you get a chance oftentimes to have the conversations with others i obviously know the good for have the good fortune of knowing both of you so i have my own estimation but i'm going to let you answer for your brother something you don't get to do very often to what degree do you think he's really aware of his level of accomplishment
2: um he's bob he's very aware um kyle is an extremely competitive person um The the Peachtree Road Race actually is the only competitive push assist race in the country and something that Kyle and I helped pioneer and work with Rich and his team to grow that. And I, I say that because the very first year that we had a competitive race set up, Kyle and I lost. So the race that we helped establish for people like Kyle and myself to race together, we lost. And Kyle didn't speak to me for the rest of the afternoon. He was very upset that we had lost. In fact, my mom had to tell him to call and apologize to me at the end of the day. Um, so he is very aware. and But but he's also, you know, he loves sports. He, he loves the Braves and the Falcons. And so he gets excited about things like the Ironman World Championships or about Boston or New York Marathon or Peachtree, these races that have that prestige and that history. And it excites him. So when we got to Kona, he tells the story of getting off the airplane first. He doesn't talk about the finish line or the race. He talks about getting off the airplane because he could feel the energy of the island. And it's such a cool story to hear because you think about, you know, watching footage of guys getting off the plane for the Super Bowl and the look on their face as they come down the stairs. And in Hawaii, there's not a terminal. So they bring stairs up to the airplane and you come down the stairs. And I had to carry Kyle off the first few steps until we could get him to his wheelchair. So here we are coming down, and Kyle can feel that energy. So he's he's extremely aware. Um, And I would just add to it, Mike, and and for Bob, and that's the beauty of what we do with our foundation is that for every Kyle um, or Jadu, Justin, who get competitive and understand what the New York Marathon or Peachtree and what those events are all about, we also have folks that are just there for the group and the camaraderie, and they want their finisher shirt and a medal, and they're happy with that. And so that's the accomplishment to them. Uh Ricardo, one of our athletes, sent us a note actually after the virtual Boston race and said that um he's missed his 81 new best friends and it was wonderful to connect with them on a virtual race. I forgot that. But Ricardo actually went to his Facebook and counted up all the people that he met through the Kyle Peace Foundation and told us that he was he was happy to reconnect with his 81 best friends. So I think Kyle is acutely aware of of some of the things that uh, he's been able to accomplish. Um, In his life
1: that's awesome and thanks for the question Bob and D2 it's good to see you although I continue I did I mentioned for those of you who have tuned in the last few weeks my beard was unruly I said I was gonna trim it up once we opened our store so I went without shaving from March 23rd when we shut it down until Monday when we open back up for in-store visits but I cannot seem to get all the gray hair to disappear for those of you who are getting a good look at D2 you would not know that he is approximately the same age as I am, looks so much younger with all that dark hair on his face. D2, we've talked the last few weeks with some of those who participated in the Olympic trials, and it was fun for me to go back just a couple of months because so much has changed. But not knowing whether you're going to be able to join us, one of the things I wanted to do with Brent in our presence and talking about the great work that Kyle Pease Foundation does was try to Give everyone a sense of what you gave me the sense it was like when you had a chance to push for the Kyle Pease Foundation last year. Now that you're here, in your own words, to some degree, describe that because my guess is that is just as cool as what it is to kind of listen in and feel a part of the Olympic trials like those athletes were able to give us the last few weeks.
0: Uh, Yeah, so it was, it was very cool. Um, I think I got notification via email that I was going to be pushing Kyle. And so I got really nervous because, you know, I know Kyle and, and, and Brent typically is the one pushing Kyle and Brent is a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he's fast pushing Kyle and, you know, I couldn't, if I wasn't pushing a wheelchair, Brent could still beat me across the finish line pushing two wheelchairs. That's how good Brent is. So I had some pressure. I felt the pressure a little bit. And I was a little concerned because I'd never pushed before, and i didn 't know kind of what it was going to be like um, but brent was 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 really cool uh, everyone uh, at the foundation was was very cool and um, and just kind of helped ease my concerns and Kyle um, you know kind of helped me out as well because he was, he you know, kind of you know told me what to do and kind of what to watch out you know as far as on the road and um yeah you know, the the chairs I thought would be much heavier to push they they're designed very well to be very lightweight and very easy to push, so I didn't feel like it was um quite as difficult um so but making the turns that's something you do have to kind of be careful uh with you gotta pick that front wheel up and um be conscious of any little kind of bumps in the road and kind of look further down the road than you normally would. If you're running, especially if you know if you're running up a hill, where sometimes we tend to bury our head down and just kind of power up that hill. Here you kind of have to look a little bit uh, forward. But Kyle was great; he was giving me pointers uh, throughout. And so there's a lot of adrenaline kind of going because you know it's a race, and you know the wheelchair start, starts up at front, and then you get that little bit of a competitiveness uh, within you, right? Because you're like, well, it's like I know I'm not going to be as fast as Brent, but you know there's a little bit of pressure. And I want to push myself. And you got now other wheelchair racers out there, and you don't want to be the last one. So especially, you know, like I said, Kyle, who's probably used to finishing a lot further ahead with with uh, with Brent. So you know, yeah, I go out, and, and luckily there wasn't a whole lot of turns. I think there's only like maybe it's either one, two, I think five turns total on the course because it's a pretty much straight, you know, point to point course for a big Pete Sizzler, and Yeah, there was a part of me that was a little bit concerned. I was like, "Well, how do I do? How do I take water? If I need to hit the the aid station, grab some water, how how do I do that?" And I I basically said, "Hey, Kyle, if if you need water, let me know, and and I'll and I'll pull over." And he never wanted water, and I was like, "Going okay, well, I'm going to keep going because I don't know how I'm going to run, and you know, slow down enough to grab water with one hand while pushing him, or do I stop completely? Because none of that was practice, and." I was like, well, let's just go. He never asked for water. And I kept asking him, he was good. And I was like, all right, we're going without water. So ran the whole thing without stopping. And I had a great time. I I, I, I ran at a pretty good pace. and But I was definitely dehydrated, uh, dehydrated at the end. But it was, you know, I think between the adrenaline and the rush of everything and just, you know, doing something like this that was so different. I wasn't running for myself. I was running, you know, for Kyle and for all the other athletes, you know, um, push uh, push assist athletes that were there, it just gave me a little bit more purpose, and it was something different that I wasn't running for myself. So all of that it gave me a lot of energy, and I just felt really great about it. And it's just, I, I, I you know, if if I never had a runner's high, I definitely had some sort of high, you know, from this event and and doing this and volunteering. So I, it was a great experience, and I would recommend anyone. Um, you know, to do it because I it was it was awesome.
1: Excellent. Well, I remember what a mark it had on you and getting a chance to hear firsthand almost right afterwards some of your thoughts and certainly hope that there are many others, whether they're listening to this live or as a podcast, that would check out all the good work that Kyle and Brent are doing, would connect with Brent in a way. So that they're up to date with the ways they will get the community involved in that mission that we talked about earlier. Okay, the question that may have super long standing value, it is this, and it is maybe something that has greater ramifications than what I'm reading into, and that is plantar fasciitis colon. How do I get it to go away forever? And so I don't know if it's kind of like the coronavirus where we're wanting to just wipe it off the face of the earth, or if this is more individualized where how do I get it to go away forever? And it's just, even if everybody else has it for me as an individual, how would I get it to go away so that I don't have to keep dealing? I'm assuming there's maybe a recurring issue here. So Dr. Peebles, I know plantar fasciitis is something that is perhaps way too common. And yet at the same time, no matter how many times you tell us what we can do better, what we can do to avoid it or perhaps get past it, we need to hear it again. So many new people in the sport. What would you say? How do I get rid of plantar fasciitis forever? They emphasize.
3: Well, and I, I wish I had the I wish I had the vaccine for that as well. <laughs> um, you know, plantar fasciitis is one of those things. It's typically an overuse type injury where you've stretched out a ligament on the bottom of the foot so you know some of the big keys are making sure you're using the right support making sure you're using shoes that aren't worn out um sometimes using extra insoles but the big things are support and stretching um and not necessarily not necessarily stretching the foot but more stretching the achilles um and and really stretching the calf to take some of that stress off of that area i think the biggest issue that becomes people You know, for the most part, they may use insoles in their shoes. They may use the right shoes. They may use the right support. But I think all of us tend to, when things start feeling better, we probably stop doing that stretching. It's not that constant reminder. It's kind of like if your tooth hurts, you're like, I'll brush it a bunch of extra times, so maybe I don't have to go to the dentist. Same thing with plantar fasciitis. Things will get tight. Things will get a little sore. You'll stretch a bunch. You'll be reminded to stretch all the time because things hurt. And then things start getting better and you kind of forget about it. So I think that probably the biggest thing to try to help with that is keeping that stretching consistent. Um, You know, also simple things like making sure you're changing shoes out on a regular basis. You know, not not necessarily and not just your running shoes, but it's you know, we're getting into some good weather. You know, if you wear sandals, make sure you're wearing a a pair of sandals that have that extra support, have that extra stability to take that stress off of there and kind of go from there. So I think those are the big things to look at in regards to this moving forward. Um, But stretching is the biggest thing. Take, you know, making sure you're in the right shoes. Those are all the big things to keep going with plantar fasciitis. It can certainly flare back up and sometimes does, but those would be the big keys to kind of keep things away.
1: So let me ask this, when you say stretching, are there certain parts of the body or certain muscles that you would say are particularly critical or that you would never
3: perhaps overlook? I think, you know, keeping in balance is the big key, but stretching the calves are the most specific thing for plantar fasciitis per se. Um, Yes, hamstrings can have an effect, low back can have an effect as well, but the biggest thing having an effect directly on the plantar fascia is stretching the calves out and keeping the calf muscles um, as loose as possible.
1: Excellent. Brent, I love the fact that we've been doing this together so long. Brent populated our chat box. Where could someone get new shoes to change out? As Dr. Peebles suggests, my goodness, we should almost take this show on the road. Yes, for those of you who do not know, (laughs) Big Beach Running Company did open to in-store visits yesterday on May 11th, obviously with social distancing and other crowd control protocols very much in place. Our virtual fit is still very much a thing. You can learn more about that at bigpeachrunningco.com. Of course, telephone consultations and other ways to connect with our team. If you're not yet comfortable to come into our stores, that is always welcome as well. Brett, thank you for the setup. Awesome, awesome work. I love the way we work together. So here is one of our questions for everyone. I'm going to start with you, Brent, as we do this, because now that we have been given permission to perhaps go outside for a walk, for a run, for a little bit of an exercise session with those who we are in residence with or who are part of our own quarantine, it obviously brings up to some degree the sensitive understanding that not all paces, all intentions, all exercise routines are created equal no matter how much you and your loved one or your roommate or others in residence with you might have in common. And I know from some of the most rewarding moments in my pedestrian active career that were with my wife, daughter, or son, there are also those tragic moments that I can recall where I did not do a good job of preparing them for a pace that I apparently wanted to keep or a distance that I had not yet highlighted enough. So, Brent, as it relates to not the Kyle peace foundation or running shoes at big peach running company, but running with those who you love, what guidance would you give us? So all of us can do it more often and do it well.
2: Well, I would just, I would say, you know, be willing to be wrong. So um, if you think you're supposed to be, you know, running at, at a certain pace and that your children or your spouse or somebody else should be at that same pace, you might be wrong and you might just want to enjoy whatever it is i, I it uh, coincidentally my wife has been walking daily and one of the days i was actually able to join her from this quarantine and i turned to her and said this is too fast so she was walking too fast for me um and she pointed out that uh, she certainly wouldn't want to run with me so um i uh, i just happily picked up the pace uh, at least for that moment so just be wrong because you know these are these are your best running buddies or your 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 community for now. So um, walking at a really slow pace or running a little slower, you might learn a few things uh, and pick up a few things. Um, and by the way, D2, the the trick with Kyle is not to ask him for water, just dump it right on his face. But um, I haven't done that to him in several years. So um, I don't know. That's that's my advice. My I thought I did think it was funny that I, I couldn't keep up with my wife's walking pace.
1: That's awesome. Before I give any personal take on that, Dr. Peebles, I'm coming to you and then I have a question for you that's going to have to do with pain on the lateral side of the foot, but that can wait for a second. Follow up Brett's guidance. Tell us all how it can be done. Running with loved ones and those you care about, going for a walk with them perhaps, what would you suggest so that we can do it as harmoniously as possible?
3: I mean, I think the big thing is just enjoying the time. Um, You know, we've all been in races, we've all been in, you know, activities where we've been trying to push our limits and trying to qualify for Boston and trying to win this race or whatever, but to enjoy it. Um, We've got grandkids now, so, you know, trying to keep up with them and trying to enjoy, you know, going down and going fishing and walking to get there, just enjoying the exercise, enjoying being together, um, which is what I think we're all going to enjoy down the road here when we get back to events and things like that. But enjoy the time with the ones that you're around the most. You don't always get to go walk around and do stuff. If you're you know, busy working on homeschooling stuff, you don't get a chance to you know, enjoy the outside as much. So enjoy those moments with the kids to get out and do stuff and kind of just take advantage of this time for really for all of us to slow down. Um, we all are, live such busy lives and these last two months have slowed us all down quite a bit um so i think just the biggest thing is trying to enjoy that moving forward and and grab onto those moments grab those pictures you know stop take a picture with the whole family uh which we don't always normally we don't normally do in races but this gives us an opportunity to do those kind of things
1: gosh that that is true and i knew you were a grandfather and yet you're giving me reason perhaps to shave all of my facial hair because you look way too young for that to be the case my friend so i will say this and then i want to ask you the question that mark gave us dr peebles if you have your chat box maybe pull it up as well i was reminded of this one time by my wife she asked whether we were training at the same time or whether we were doing this which happened to be a trail run together and I think it's a fair question and if you and a loved one have decided we're training at the same time I think gapping each other perhaps some competitive blood that may come to the surface or get pumped through the veins is all good but if you're doing it together and that is the real objective then my goodness do not worry about pace perhaps take the watch off do not look at distance accumulated or miles accomplished do it together and make the most out of it there is a huge distinction between training at the same time and doing something pedestrian active together for sure so charlie whether you can see this or not mark indicates that he made the mistake of going from sedimentary for a while to going all out. This is something that you referenced already. This is something we all have a tendency to do. And he did it until he injured his right ankle. He took a couple of weeks off and has started back again, but on a more measured and realistic distance. So some of the guidance you provided earlier, Mark is certainly validating with the approach he's now taking. The pain was on the outside of his foot near the heel, like he had rolled it and he's now gone from fairly severe pain to currently almost no pain. Seems to be going in the right direction. He's able to jog okay now. He's looked into the Sure-Footing book, authored, perhaps, you know what, we're so generous, we're of the people, we're gonna put a copy of Sure-Footing in that giveaway to go alongside Beyond the Finish, two books for the price of one, and no cost for either as our prize today. So Mark has looked into the Sure-Footing book, but can't seem to determine if he had a stress fracture. Is there a way to determine, perhaps, whether someone has a stress fracture? And given Mark's question, any indication
3: you believe that he might or might not? Well, I think the biggest, you know, the kind of the classic description of a stress fracture is if you can put one finger on a spot and it's just severe pain in that one spot or there's swelling in one spot and you can put, pain, you can put pressure right on one spot and cause that discomfort, or really significant pain, that's more likely to be a stress fracture. The fact that it's kind of calmed down and works back to jogging is probably a pretty good sign. Another thing that can happen there on the outside part of the foot is something called peroneal tendonitis. It's chapter seven whenever anyone gets the book, um, but it touches base. Basically, it's a little inflammation. There we go, chapter seven. Guys, <laughs> it work,
1: Brent Pease.
3: There Brent. it is. Do you have Do a copy of the book have, as sitting well? right here. But that's, that's most likely what's kind of come on. Um, one of the things building back up is trying to stay on a little bit flatter surfaces as well as, you know, if Mark's running back on the roads, to not run where, run where the road is canted off to the side as much. That can typically cause a lot of that irritation. Um, but it's one of those overuse type injuries that occurs. If it's not a pinpoint tenderness, hopefully it's more of a tendonitis they can kind of work through, do some icing, and uh get through that and keep the lifestyle going
1: great advice especially with that test that you can administer yourself because i know that's so much of it you're either going to ask the questions when they get there or they're going to give you that type of information i would imagine the diagnosis is easier when there has been some work done at home or by those who are feeling the discomfort great question mark thank you for putting that together charlie while i have you stress fractures obviously are incredibly frustrating. And Mark mentions the uncertainty of when you come back from it. I know that there can be stress fractures in all parts of the body. Let's talk about those really, really common in runners and walkers in the foot. So many bones in the foot. I believe if I remember from conversations we've had in the past, more bones in the foot than any other part of the body. Any rule of thumb in terms of when it is okay to start jogging or running again
3: if you had a stress fracture in your foot. I mean, I think, obviously, following what your physician said as far as seeing, you know, the results, the bone healing, all those kind of things. But I think my rule of thumb with most injuries is to make sure you're not favoring that. If you, you know, let's say you have a stress fracture in your foot, whether it be a second metatarsal, whether it be a heel, whether it be whatever, or really any injury somebody has, if they're favoring it and compensating all of a sudden your knee is going to start acting up or something else is going to start acting up. And that's really, sometimes those injuries last longer than the original stress fracture. So I think kind of easing into activities um, in that regard. And if you're limping or favoring, you know, take a little bit more time off, whether it be spending, you know, right now it's a little bit of a challenge because it's, you know, you can't cross train as much in the gym, but whether it be the pool or whatever, doing some things, you know, that's the time when you have an injury like that is to work on some of that core strengthening, work on some of those other things that we kind of take for granted and don't necessarily do as much because we want to spend the time out on the road. So the key is I think making sure you're not favoring it and you're back in your normal running gait or walking gait or movement gait, whatever the case may be, to kind of move things forward from there. And that's that's really the big key with it, I think, as far as the time frame as far as when you return to running. Is when that pain's pretty much gone to the point that you're not favoring it anymore. Excellent. Well, we are
1: coming down the home stretch of our virtual pub run. Here is the question that will give you the opportunity to win not just one but both books. We've talked about that is sure footing coming out of Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center, authored by Charlie's partner, Dr. Perry Julian, and the book. Brent and Kyle Pease, good work into the market last year in June. That is beyond the finish. D2 indicated he was a successful partner for Kyle, gave Brent the day off that particular day to encourage you to go to KylePeaseFoundation.org and learn more. What is your guess as to the race that D2 did have the good fortune of pushing Kyle? completing the race and creating a special memory for himself and for me it may have been a passing thought for kyle but was certainly a special memory for d2 and it was cool for me to hear for those of you who have guesses you can put them in your chat box right now we'll see if d2 wants to give the answer for those of you who have made it this far if there was not a correct answer know that we will pick up the answer after the podcast is released on the first Monday after this, that specifically will be May 18th. In the meantime, Brent, I would like for you to perhaps close us out. And the reason that I want to do this, you and Charlie, our podcast alum, hard to believe we first had you episode 36, Dr. Charlie Peebles, even further back episode number four. At this point, podcasts are so easy to consume especially while you're out there being active and getting the most out of your respective day you i know are on a lot of podcasts you listen to a lot of podcasts i don't want you to talk about the run atl podcast i just want you to give us some good advice that you heard at one point and now have put in motion for you and Kyle and whether it came from a podcast or some other area where you get resources. I know you have a coach. I know you do your own coaching. I know you're listening to athletes of every level. What is that good advice that you heard at some point that you still to this day cannot tell too many people and now once again have an opportunity to share it?
2: Well, I I think Charlie actually just reminded me of it, but when I first got into the sport was pre-Strava and yet I was still comparing myself to everybody and Um, I was told to just slow things down and I kind of looked confusing and uh, my coach who was telling me said, you just need to go slow to go fast. And it, it put things in, it puts everything in perspective now in the moment he was just trying to teach me that I wasn't going to get any faster by always trying to run hard. Um, But when you think about it in perspective of slowing down in quarantine or slowing down to enjoy maybe a walk with your, with your family or just to do things, at a little bit different pace, um, will give you greater appreciation later on down the road and will make you make you glad you stopped and listened.
1: That is awesome. awesome, go slow to go fast. D2, those are words to live by, but so are yours. Based on the prize that is at stake, would you be kind enough to reveal where you had your fine moment of crossing the finish line with Kyle Pease?
0: Yeah, I actually uh, mentioned it in the story as I was telling it, and it was Big Peach Sizzler. Yes. So we've got one. we've got two in the comments box that have uh, said it, said so uh, that guessed Big Peach Sizzler. Um, someone guessed Publix Gasparilla in Tampa, Florida, and I'm like that. I, I don't know where how uh, how they came to that, but that's that's a very interesting guess. I would love to do that race at some point. Uh, it is a flat course, although humid as. Brent, more are you, human Brent, than it is here in Atlanta?
2: Do yeah. you guys do Gasparilla, Brent? We do not, but it, now it's on the radar. <laughs> okay, excellent.
1: I was going to say, maybe somebody went to the website. I haven't heard stories from that, but I thought somebody went to the website. We are just so generous, not to mention that since we've been out of the ability to get into the studio and give things away, both our friend Bob Wells and Jill, we are going to hook both of you up. We'll get those books to you. We'll get people to autograph them and we will connect uh with you if you would not mind putting your email address if you don't think we have it in the chat box we will connect with you so we can get a delivery address you do not need to put your delivery address in the chat box just your email address if you don't mind or a way to connect with you jill and bob you are on your way to some good reading during these strange moments we call covid 19. As we say, certainly as we mean, we wish you the best during this particular season. We know it to be true that it is possible, as we've heard, whether you get started now and take some of the advice that Dr. Peebles shared, or whether you've been doing it for a long time like what Brent and his brother have been, that it is indeed that your best miles are those covered on foot we'll be back in just one week for the next virtual pub run certainly hope you'll join us then in the meantime have a good evening and so long everyone